0: Welcome to Sound and Vision. Conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. I'm getting ready for my spring show at Miles McHenry Gallery, and every painting, all the gesso, mediums, all of it is being made with Golden Artist materials. Not only do they make conventional acrylics, they also have open acrylics, which stay wet longer, and sew flat, which dry to an extremely matte finish. They also make incredible gesso, matte medium, gel mediums, core watercolors, Williamsburg oils, and much more. Check them out in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum makes amazing coffee that you can get delivered straight to your door. They even have a subscription plan where you can get a rotating variety of blends shipped directly to you. Check them out at fulcrumcoffee.com and use the code Alfredstudio to get 10% off your order. Allison Miller was born in Evanston, Illinois, and lives and works in Los Angeles. She received a BFA in printmaking from the Rhode Island School of Design and an MFA in painting from the University of California, Los Angeles. She is represented by the Susan Inglot Gallery in New York and has had solo shows at The Pitt in LA, The Finley in LA, and Acme. Group exhibitions of note include the Holographic Principle at Philip Martin Gallery, the Los Angeles Museum of Art Presents, Mulheim Ruhr at the 1970s, Kunstmuseum Mulheim in Germany, Six Memos for the Next, Nowism Abstraction Today, the Polizzi Collection in Columbus, Ohio, Magazine 4 in Austria, and Made in L.A. 2012 at the Hammer Museum in collaboration with Lacks Art in Los Angeles. Allison's work can be found in the permanent collections of the Francis Lehman Loeb Art Center at Vassar College, the Orange County Museum of Art, the Pulitzi Collection in Columbus, the Santa Barbara Museum of Art, and the Nuremberger Museum of Art Purchase, amongst others. Her work has been reviewed in the New Yorker Art Forum, Freeze, the LA Times, Flash Art, the Brooklyn Rail, and Hyperallergic, amongst others. Here's our conversation. We're both 74, year of the something. I don't know what it was. Was it Tiger? Yeah,
1: it's absolutely a thousand percent Tiger, baby.
0: And you Tigers. were born in Illinois? Is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the like Midwestern goodness, you know? Where are you from? Pittsburgh.
1: I feel, I feel, I feel like Chicago and Pittsburgh have a kinship. Very Do much you, so. Yeah, yeah. I
0: almost went there. And oh, uh, yeah. a lot of my friends from my high school went and became, well, not became, but they went and were music people and played in bands and yeah, were in that right. scene for a while. And it's very Pittsburgh adjacent, you know, blue collar, working class potential, totally. not totally. the best weather in the world, let's be honest. Totally. Good and music.
1: Yeah. And ha- it's, it's, it's own, um, has its own kind of culture that is definitely not, it's like a second city. Yeah. Right. Culture for sure, but yeah, blue cro- blue collar and like, um, I don't know. I think you guys are a little tougher than we are. <laughs> we're tough. <but> we're tough. <laughs> I
0: don't know. You put up with that windy lake effect.
1: <laughs> not anymore, man. It's like it's different. Like they barely get snow now. It's
0: like, oh, that's it's true. It's probably not quite depressing. as bad. Yes, I, I think there's a the Midwestern similarities yeah. between Pittsburgh and Chicago. But did you grow up? Evanston is a Evanston. nice little area, isn't it?
1: It is. It's like one. I don't know if this makes sense to anybody, but it's one town up the lake, up the lake, sure. and um, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's was it was a great place. Is it a college town. Northwestern is there. I mean, yeah. they have a Chicago campus too, but that's the main Northwestern campus, and it's pretty, you know, relatively liberal. And small enough that pretty much everybody went to the same high school. I do have to say, though, my high school was 3,000 students. It was a massive, Whoa, very, very real mine. high school. It was super real. Wow, that's <laughs> but, like a
0: um, college campus or something, like a small yeah,
1: college. I think we had 11 swimming pools or something. You know what I mean? Whoa. It was just like a massive. But, I mean, that's it. Yeah, I guess it was sort of interesting. Like, you just kind of went into your I, I will speak for myself, I went into my own world a little bit just because it was um you just got lost in the shuffle completely. You yeah. know, and um and I was lucky enough to have um a number of really good friends who are still my best friends, some of my best friends, um, that we helped each other kind of get through it. But whew, yeah, it was a scene for sure.
0: Well if if I'm not mistaken, you're an only child, right? I am. So does that? I don't know how on earth you know that, but yeah. That <laughs> uh, doesn't that make you a little more comfortable in doing your own thing and being like?
1: Yeah, yourself? I mean, I probably. Uh, I don't want to already... say loner, but
0: you know, you can you can hang by yourself. You're good with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and good, I mean, good for I being really, in the studio too. <laughs> it it is. I mean, um, I can't. You know, I remember when I was I went to RISD undergrad, and for a. a like a minute I was considering going into film and I just thought there's no way in hell I can deal with a kind of group effort or working with other people for that extended period of time. Yeah, There's just no way. And it's probably, yeah, absolutely from being an only kid and um, having to entertain yourself and yeah, having this, your own kind of world. Probably dodged the bullet on that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Really? I get. I don't know, man. Uh, but I mean, I not to sound whatever the sounds like, but I I do feel like I feel very lucky to have found something that I obsessively love to do, that I think I'm pretty good at. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And oh like, yeah. And I don't know if that would have happened with anything else. Like I'm so kind of grateful to have painting. You know? Don't you feel
0: like truly? That's a real. I feel like I've talked about that before but just to to find something that you're passionate about is such a like a cheat code for life. You know what I mean? Because
1: yeah,
0: 100%. Yeah, if you don't have it, you know so many people who don't have that and they're just I don't know, like filling the void of but when you when you're driven by something, even if you're not, you know, able to solely do that or whatever, there's just right. that Uh, passion that seems like it really feeds the soul in a way no matter how yeah that doesn't mean life is easy or anything but it's just you have this driving sort of like need to do something
1: yeah i'm 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 so relieved i don't i don't know how anybody else gets through the day without it
0: (laughs) yeah i totally agree (laughs) I I, I i would always think that music could be the backup for anyone though you know what I mean? But music's hard, I guess, if you... You don't mean
1: making class. music. You mean just loving music, right?
0: Well, Either or. Or just mm. being being involved in it. It seems like mm. an easy mm. thing to just be into, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Even just, like, going to shows obsessively or something. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. having it feed you. Right. Were you, right. growing
0: up, was it a lot of music in the house?
1: Uh... Uh no, I mean my mom was I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah. My mom was completely obsessed with Paul Robson. So Paul Robson would be playing oh, wow. all the a lot. Um and uh my dad is a big classical guy, so I grew up with okay. that being around. But that was yeah. <laughs> but the you know uh not from yeah, uh distinguished in in their not. In their sort of educational backgrounds but in their interests for sure for yeah. sure you know what I mean and um and then yeah I don't know one day I discovered the clash and there, there we have it you know but nice but I mean it's funny now I um I almost only listen to books when I'm painting like I I realized maybe 10 or 15 years ago or something I just, Stopped listening to music in the studio, and I try every once in a while because I think it probably would be better for me, yeah. But, um, I don't know how it works for you, but I, the way I figure it is it's the same part of my brain that I would be using to make painting decisions, yeah. I would be using to listen to music, but if I'm listening to almost entirely, like solely non fiction, um. It's using a different part of my brain i can follow it like if i listen to fiction i have to listen over and over because i just i just miss it because that part of my brain is already kind of busy right you know what i mean
0: yeah totally i i've talked uh. to a lot of people who have that same uh, uh-uh. and in the opposite some people who just need even though even if it doesn't match what they're doing in the studio uh. they need the energy of music and if they try to put yeah. on anything with narrative it distracts them or it makes it difficult yeah. for them. So there's, it goes either way, I guess. And then there's My, the, the occasional silence people, which God bless them, but kind it of freaks uh, me out. I know, I know it's um, a little weird.
1: <laughs> but then there's the people check this out. Um, a friend of mine, Nick Aguayo, who's a painter out oh, here. Yeah, I know, Nick. He, okay. He, um, I don't know if he still does, but I know for a while he was listening, he would listen to music and television at the same time.
0: Nice. Warhol did that Oh really? Yeah, Warhol wow. had like TV, just radio, overdrive. Yeah, just get it all in there.
1: <laughs> and I, for a while after you know thinking about that, so for a while I would listen, I would listen to like you know the like K Jazz or whatever the jazz radio station, and listen to jazz on this st- my stereo at the same time, just to have like a similar type of music but both playing at the same time, and that is incredible. I mean, it's yeah, it sounds um, nice, but. Um, when it came down to, I don't know. I feel like I, m- I make paintings very incrementally and somewhat in an odd way, somewhat analytically, I guess. And in in my own weird version of what that means, but right. um, yeah, it just couldn't. It just ended up it kind of interfering, even though I enjoyed it. You yeah, know, I like wish I could paint with total sonic overload around me all the time which That's is what pretty i prefer amazing. when i see shows or something it's
0: just like complete overload saturation wow <clears throat> so yeah. it just sort of like filled the space and you were able to just move into while. your visual and you know if you but not now if you couldn't not you but if one couldn't afford two separate sound devices mm-hmm. you could just listen to free jazz by um ornette coleman yeah. <laughs> and basically it's two bands playing at the same time anyway totally <laughs>
1: I wish I could say I can handle free jazz, and I totally can't. But um, but then there's you know there's that New York radio station Q2, and for a while I, I went. It's that. like it's cont- it, this sounds terrible, but it's contemporary um, classical, but it really veers into like experimental music most of the time. Sure. Um, and so I think it's you know 20th century, 20, 21st century. Um. But yeah, it's just sonically bananas and yeah. um you know a lot of I think a lot of the time when I'm trying to make decisions in paintings I'm trying to do you know I've had a lot of kind of visual training I guess at this point and I I'm trying to second guess every decision and not make the even if I circle back around and end up making what seemed like an obvious decision um, at first, I want to cycle through a bunch of different possibilities before I come back, and oftentimes it's the last thing I think of, and I never could have thought of it. Um, yeah. Initially, it takes me weeks and sometimes months to figure out the next decision. Um, but uh, I think there's something there's I don't know there's something that relates all of that stuff, like you know, listening to things where you can't anticipate what's about to happen or um it feels similar like you're on this kind of trip you know and um and yeah it's a funny thing like you know the studio is a controlled environment that just to to a lot of uh, you know for the most part I I can control everything happening in the studio um which maybe makes it safe to be making these things where I have no idea what how to anticipate what's going to happen in them, you know, it's right. it's like the safe kind of anchor or base to start from. You know? But yeah,
0: I, if if I'm not mistaken, what I was reading about your process is that you know it does seem like improvisational to where you mm-hmm. don't know what's coming, which is, I think when I was making work in grad school, it was I was doing sort of generative paintings based on fractals, and they were kind of abstract mm-hmm. and they were really Kind of, I didn't know how they were going to look. Each one was like a new thing, but it's funny because it ended up becoming a process that I could predict kind of what right. it was going to look like. Right. And, um, and, and I know you had mentioned Laura Owens at some point, right? As someone, mm-hmm. I don't, I think you quoted or I don't know, there's something. Anyways, I had Laura Owens in my studio at Yale and she was, she came in and she goes, It looks like you're trying to have a show. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like kind of confused. You know, I was at that stage. I didn't know what I get what she was driving at, but um, but yeah, I feel like your right. your your work has a feeling of that it's just I don't know, maybe from the outside perspective, in reading a little bit about how you're approaching it. If what I was interpreting before I read what you were saying about your process, these things look like they're just almost like short stories or poems or things that are just kind of like happening. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but they just feel literary in a way, or
2: there's some sort of
0: narrative I don't understand, but there's a playfulness to it and um, they feel generative. Like they're just making their own worlds, which is really cool.
1: Yeah. I, um, I, I um, don't necessarily know how to talk, how to explain them either nor do you need to (laughs) um for sure and i and i do think yeah i'm I'm a little um i'm realizing maybe um i'm like protective of maintaining a a sort of ignorance or something during the process right and if you figure um, it out but you've nailed it down but totally and i know you teach too and i do think um you know i really love teaching and i'm i'm grateful to teaching as well um but i also think it has um it's definitely affected my work and it's affected how i think about things and i think it's i probably was a a sort of analytical kind of person anyway and then teaching made me even more so right and and so i'm always trying to sort of temper that in the studio so like you know just like toggling or something between um a more spontaneous um I don't even know how to uh explain it really but mindset and then you know like I'll make a decision and then I sit back and like the analytical brain kind of takes over and I try to figure out so what just happened you know like what did that one little decision or big decision just do and then move on from there and so I'm yeah I'm never tied to um an original drawing or or um concept so I, basically i mean it's really but i do know you know i sh- the paintings oftentimes share language and um and they they share a kind of yeah like a lyrical you know they they any that like i'll pick up a system and drop it and then pick up another system and drop it within the same painting and um so i think there is they they share a lot and I think the process itself, in some ways, maybe, is the narrative that comes through. And when you're, wa- yeah. you're looking at them, I was going to say watching them, <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, just I'm trying to, even after all these years, I'm trying to, um, still be surprised by the paintings themselves. You know, and right. you know, it's funny. Like there's a, the painting that is on the the press release and stuff for the show that's up right now at Susan Inglet is this painting called Blood Knot which um, is my most overwrought title but and but in it there's a black and white arrow and arrows are something like a motif that has come, come and gone in the paintings before but when the arrow went down it's and I usually hopefully have a moment like this in every painting where I just started laughing and there's like no one <laughs> there's no one to like look at and but I was just just sitting there like chuckling to myself because I I just thought um even about my own decision like what the hell are you doing you know <laughs> that I couldn't have anticipated that and then and then you have to deal with it you know it's like right. oh, the problem just keeps changing and I'll say this in class too you know it's like we're we're um making up our own riddles and solving them both you know and yeah. it's such a I I really enjoy that headspace so much.
0: I think there's a real beauty to people who make images that are sort of like their interpretation of the world. And it's really like their vision, like, like a Hiroshige or something like the way Uh, uh. he saw the world. There's such a beauty to that. But I think there's also such a beauty to people who kind of open up their work to be, a conduit for yeah. things to just happen and they're not dictating it necessarily it's just flowing yeah. through them which I w- leads to this question i would imagine maybe i'm wrong that that um there's a probably a little bit of fear or not i don't know if it's fear worry you know all artists we kind of stress fear worry or whatever about oh, yeah. the work if there's a little bit of that with the feeling that, well, I don't know what the painting's going to be. Like, is it going to work out? Is it going to keep flowing out of me? Are these things going to keep? It's almost yeah. like you're, you know, a, a painter who's in the backseat of the car and the painting's actually driving. And you're like, yeah, are they going to wreck this thing? Or like, <laughs> I mean, I think you know?
1: that's the conceit, at least. You well, know, like yeah. that's yeah. probably bullshit. But I, but that is the yeah, that is, but you know, it's something where at this point I've had enough shows that I don't, I don't get that worried anymore, you know, which, um, just like, I know it's, it's worked out before it'll work out this time, but it is like, a um, you know, there are some chances being taken and I mean, Hey, one of these days, I don't know. Yeah. I could end up with a bunch of paintings that I'm not satisfied with and I have a deadline looming you know but um but that is that's the game right is and that's clearly the process that I enjoy is um is walking that line a little bit you know and um I do I'm really trying to get better though about you know, like this last show I was done, I think it was a month early, which was awesome. I mean, to be able to even do studio visits and things with finished work, because the difference between almost finished and finished to me is big. Um, yeah. But uh, so, you know, kind of get timeline wise, just getting stuff. You know, I, I feel like everything has to, I have to think everything is done about a month or two early because then I make actually the final decisions so like I think of them as like they kind of harden in place right and then I can come in as a more objective viewer and think oh wait a minute you know um and sometimes it's the difference between changing a big kind of color of a big element in the painting and sometimes it's a different the difference between you know you know changing the color of a few drips in a painting that kind of thing but those final decisions I cannot make if I'm in the zone with the painting.
0: I can't, right. you know. It's like letting it cool, like the cookies yeah. or the pie to totally. cool a little bit or the steak the set so everything can kind of yeah. Um it just looks different after, yeah.
1: you know, and um and and there is a kind of clarity to it that is um you know, yeah, I, I just don't think I could have made those final decisions any earlier.
2: I don't right.
0: know. Yeah. You know. No, the the in uh. the flip side to what I said before too, it was just a sort of, on the other side of the uh, the the coin is that those who map out their work beforehand and fill it, the fear there or the anxiety is just that it's rote or you're just, yeah, it's predictive, but. The thing is, is like if that's your way of working, you always find ways to, to tweak or reinvent. And then whenever you're improvising, like you said, it it resonates with the way you make things, so it's just natural that it happens that's that way. It's such a it's it's really cool that there's that many levels, and and those are just two sort of like examples. But it's really cool that there's so many different ways that we work and make things. You know, and
1: I think we develop. The site and the 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 practice that our psyche needs, right? For sure, that's,
0: yeah. And it's true. And if you nothing, don't, you're screwed.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Like I it mean, won't work another for you, thing I'm grateful you know? for. Right, is figuring out. You know, I mean, I'm. um The finished work is one thing, but the process is another. And yeah, I have to sit in that room. I better like what I'm doing, right? And like right. the process of of making these things and I'm yeah also very grateful to have um figured out a way to make an object that um this sounds I don't know flippant but is entertaining I mean I genuinely don't know what's going to happen right so um but yeah I I mean I think everybody you know there is a there's a real romance to maybe working more intuitively that again, I think when I, when I shift over to a more analytical thinking about the paintings is meant to also sort of, again, sort of temper that romance. You know, I, I don't think every, every decision I make is golden. I don't, you know, I don't think, um I don't trust myself that much, which I think is important actually to have a little distrust, right, to stay on the edge a little bit. But I I know, you know, years ago, I was, the way I would make work was, um, you know, there'd be a lot of a lot of layers a lot of a lot of decisions happening kind of on top of each other and i always had the trapdoor of um i can cover it up and um and then in the last i don't know five or six years or so that has shifted a bit and i think part of it is you know um yeah i got i got i kind of knew what i was doing and i had to change um it's it's almost like a similar process, but it's pared down. So I'm trying to make the right decision at the right time and less decisions. You know, so these yeah. are some of the thinnest paintings in a way I've ever made. Um a lot of the back, you know, there's a there's a there's a lot of underpainting that ended up being the background that didn't get covered up. Right. Um just kind of what these washy sort of fields and Um, that feels, you know, it's like you have to keep upping the ante for yourself. And so that feels more challenging is you just wait, you wait to make the right decision at the right time. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I find it very enjoyable and, and nerve wracking both.
0: And that's, that being in the studio (laughs) that, yeah. (laughs) It's like a good synopsis. Um, in your formative years. Yeah. What were the things, whether it doesn't matter what genre, I I mean, I think I read that you were into movies, but what were the things that, that, um, what were the things you were visually um, motivated or like inspired by? What were the things that you you know you saw like i i remember watching uh the search for an animal chin which was an old pal and peralta skateboarding video which blew uh, my mind i was just like really into it i don't know yeah yeah california seemed exotic and that was cool right but I know. Th- that really got me interested in like skateboards and visual things but what right. were the things that you you know got you into it
1: it probably was mostly movies yeah. and you know i was an only kid with um back then you know we'd rent videos and I was renting things that I don't know why they were letting me do this stuff at my age. They shouldn't have been, but
0: clockwork um, orange.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. Stuff like that, you know, um, really early on. And, um, so yeah, mostly movies, but then, you know, the art Institute was there. And I do remember painting wise specifically seeing, um, it's a Magritte painting. It's very small and it's called the balcony. I think it's called the balcony. I'm blanking a little bit, but I think it's about the balcony. And it's, it's one of those paintings where, um, the, there is a moment in nature where this actually happens. But when you see it in a painting, it looks very, um, surreal, but where the, the background is dark and right. the objects. Okay. And so it's this painting where there's a big hot pink circle right in the middle it's and everything painted. else. It, it really is, and it's, it's really so small. It's okay, you know the painting. Yeah, it's, I, know, I mean, he completely. made a series. Okay, I mean, I love
0: is, Magritte. Magritte is crazy good and totally yeah. overrated or underrated because I think everyone thinks of it as shtick, right? Exactly. But they're a beautiful, b genius, c they work on levels. Magritte. Yeah. No one gives Magritte and probably a little bit of like, you know, shade because a lot of people had a Magritte poster back in the day. I was
2: literally
1: about to say that. Um, Yeah. No, I mean, you know, Frida Kahlo too, like there's a number of artists that, I kind of shit all over for a while because it was so cliche, and then all of a sudden one day you wake up and you think, "Oh my god, I'm such an idiot. What am I doing?" <laughs> and yeah, McGreed is is one of them, and I do feel like that. You know, this poor guy, he just gets dragged all over the place and into some pretty terrible contexts. But um, but there was like a survey of his at the SF MOMA pre COVID, like four or five years ago, and there were things I'd just never seen before. You know, he. He would you know he did that the, the re, uh, remade a Manet, but with with coffins on the veranda and you know he ha- anyway just um he did a David painting with a coffin on the couch I just um it, genius and and actually very the painting style is pretty cold right, right. there yeah. it's very illustrational All so austere. it's yeah 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 um yeah and you know airless right that's that word I always love about painting some paintings but um but so anyway so I saw this painting and the way I remember it is I was young enough to just think I don't understand what this painting's about or maybe it's old enough to think that I guess but you know okay that's a landscape painting this is a religiously you know religious themed painting this is a portrait and then boom you come to this and I I can tell you what everything is but I don't understand what I'm looking at right um and that blew my mind completely yeah. um and the idea and I've, I think i I said this in like um a long a long time ago when I would um do a lecture or something about my work I would start it with this painting because it It really to me was, oh, this is color and a shape trumping, pardon my French, um, recognizable imagery. Yeah. And that was just shocking, you know. And that feels like a really kind of fitting analogy for a lot of what I find interesting in the world, I guess, you know, is there's the thing you're supposed to be paying attention to, and then there's this other thing. Right. And, um, and actually a friend of mine ian trout who's an incredible artist in la he wrote the press release for this show that's up right now and he he gets at some of that too that this idea of you know we're we're engineered you know, physiologically we're engineered to um to just survive and then there's all this other stuff so it's ex- extraneous information that we kind of don't know what to do with and and there's art somewhere in there right, right. and um And that I guess, you know, on the best of days, the paintings get at some of that stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. Did you, were there other things outside of painting and movies? Were you Um, a cartoon person?
1: I was a big Tom and Jerry person. And when I learned about screenshots, that blew my mind. There was probably, there's a number of things um, maybe a while back, but probably still that came out of taking screenshots of um, early Tom and Jerry, and then there was a phase where they—I just always remembered as a kid—you know—they were always on um, Saturday mornings, right? And there was two or three years where all of a sudden they got very psychedelic, oh, and yeah. the sound effects would be okay. I—I I feel like when I say this, everyone's like, "Yes, yes." And I did a little research and figured out that they got kicked off of whatever lot they were making things on in LA and um had to go to Czechoslovakia. And so they took Random. production to Czechoslovakia. And so, you know, all of a sudden the sound effects are completely different. And the style, the kind of um the animation style gets much more kind of angular and a little scary. It's a little mm-hmm. more almost subtly sort of violent or something. And um anyway, so yeah, I, I looked at a lot of that stuff. And I do think, you know, there's things about the arrows and some very I, I like the idea of very direct language that it looks objective, but the way it's used can't be, you know. Yeah. Um but um yeah.
0: Yeah, I got Pictures a little I just things. had a feeling looking at them. I thought maybe it's coincidental that my mind sort of like ventured into that territory of oh, cartoons sure. and sure. i don't know if you've ever seen the dot in a line yeah oh my god i haven't thought of that in so long boy that's such an <laughs> yeah. amazing animation isn't it absolutely but there's a god. whimsy in that that i in looking at your work yeah it had a little bit of that vibe for me yeah
1: and i think there used to be more uh, maybe a bit more overt humor in the work but i still think that there is to some extent and Um, and I, I also like that can be a little disorienting maybe, especially the idea of humor and abstraction. It's almost an oxymoron or something. I mean, it's just, um, I, I love the idea. Yes, the paintings are a vessel, but maybe abstraction itself is a kind of vessel. Like it can sort of take what you put into it. And, you know, this last show, the show that's up right now, and maybe the last two, more and more um i guess i guess i would say representational elements are coming in that i couldn't have anticipated including letters and language and and handwriting and um you know things like you know um floral floral prints and things like that and um and it's it's just to see okay if you drop this in um you know a lot of A lot of the time the lines in my paintings actually come from the idea of, you know, sort of hair and, um, you know, is it enough to just like nudge the viewer down this road a little bit, but then the painting itself pulls you back. But then, you know, as you, hopefully the painting will keep you there long enough that you can take in all of these details. And, and I just love that kind of rubber band snap, you know, you get into the detail and then you, have to come back to the kind of gestalt of the whole painting like okay but but what about the context of the painting itself and um you know I want them to have I want them to reward close looking and maybe even the potential for something almost iconic happening overall yeah. or something which doesn't make sense and is not an overt goal because I don't even know how you go about doing that purposefully but um. I, yeah, I guess I I am trying to think about the viewer a
0: lot. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's funny because that description you gave could it it could apply to Magritte in a way too because you get lost in the detail, yeah. But then the whole thing kind of flips on you in a way, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that one painting of the clouds which turn into cubes, which is just like. Yeah. Kind of ahead of its time, you know. It feels a little. Yeah. I mean that you you get lost in the way that it's painted in the the, the sky, the sort of representation, but then the weirdness of how it's broken up and "quote unquote" abstracted in a way. Yeah. it's Like a but nice blend, you know.
1: It it totally is, and I also have the same reaction to someone like voyard right? I mean, yeah. that's what I think is so funny, and I I always think about this is somebody could describe a painting to you very thoroughly in you know in a lot of detail and that would have almost no relationship to what the painting actually is doing you know like w- what it's of versus what it's about in a way and and so yeah i mean it's funny i i feel like we really could say a lot of the same things about magritte that we could say about are even though they look nothing alike totally different yeah um but it still is about this conscious optical magic happening in front of you that you i don't think so i you know i've i i always think about this when i first moved to la for grad school and i went to the la county museum and i somehow had reached you know i was granted 23 it's pretty young but still i should have i didn't know about Voyard just didn't know about him I didn't know about the Nabi in general and i walked into this gallery at, at lacma And there is this painting called The Orchard, and um, it's, it's as if, you know, he mixed kind of khaki into every color or something. And I just remember hearing these kind of bros on the other side of the gallery saying, you can't even see anything. And I thought, like, what the fuck are they talking about? And I turned around and I thought, oh, my God, they're completely right. Like, I stood in front of this thing and it's almost like a camouflage painting. Yeah. And then slowly it's like a magic eye. I mean, I hate to say it, but it is. And slowly your eyes focus and you realize it's an orchard and there's like six or seven figures. And again, you could tell somebody exactly what's happening on every inch of that canvas in terms of representation and that doesn't have anything to do with the effect and feeling of looking at this thing. Um and I, I think Magritte's the same thing. I mean, there's some Magritte paintings, of course, I can't think of a good example right now, but where you look at it and you know it feels uncanny and you can't even figure out why. Right. Like it takes a minute to yeah. even figure out what what is off here, you know? Yeah. Um, And that's such a nice feeling.
0: Yeah, I'm drawn to that maybe a little more than, you know, melting clocks over trees. Not to say For that sure. I don't like Dalí, sure. but I just feel that there's something about the subtlety of the weirdness or surrealness. of am that yeah. it's almost like as it gets a little closer to reality yeah. representation, it gets a little more strange in a way.
1: It's like that, you know, the uncanny Valley idea. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, whatever anybody says about Dolly, do you know about that paranoid critical method thing, the PCM?
2: No I idea.
1: Don't. I feel like i'm gonna butcher this but so <clears throat> excuse me he had an idea that um and this is probably like literally offensive essentially but he was looking at so if you are and i actually have a lot of um intense kind of um schizophrenia actually in my family although i don't think that term is used anymore actually but um and so i have some personal experience with with um uh relatives that had these kinds of um thought patterns but if you think people are out to get you, again, I'm sorry, this is such like a ham-fisted way of saying this, you're gonna take everything around you as a sign. You can yeah. you can right, you can make anything fit your version of truth. Yeah. And Dali, who was actually a very rational person, and he said, he called it paranoid critical method. And he said, why don't we consciously use that same mode of thinking about reality and the world to make images or to make art. And and he actually, scarily enough, he said we should, um, the idea was to actually eventually insert, quote, like false facts into reality where you can't even tell what's real anymore. Oh and I feel like, yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> you know, up until, you know, 10 years ago, that was a fascinating idea. Now it's absolutely terrifying, but, right. um, but it was wild that he had this idea again to sort of just consciously it was a, just maybe a way of freeing yourself from reality like why not why not think of things in a much more flexible fluid way right. and um and i i, I really like the idea of him being that rational about it
0: you know <laughs> yeah it's funny the but, the utopic vision of certain or sort of um you know prognostication of the future Mm. this utopian ideal that things will change in this way and it always seems to go take a left turn at albuquerque you know yeah Yeah. like augmented reality now where is that in a way that sort of surrealism is this fantastical vision of that the way that our questioning of reality and and what is real The way that's shifting now is bizarre. You know, it's just
2: yeah,
0: and it it
1: felt yeah so freeing when that's um those ideas lived in art or literature or something, and now that it lives in politics, right? It's right, yeah. Um, it's just been you know, I guess the what the word is weaponized in this way that um if we can step out of it boy it's 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 pretty interesting it's wild to watch but yeah it's um it really beats you down right oh this well stuff. also
0: not even just in politics but just in the way that we interact with our day-to-day lives yeah right it is so right ingrained in the way we live in the yeah. way we encounter information and ideas yeah that it's it's become so pervasive that we've it it's almost like a, a tsunami that washes over you. You don't have time to process it. You just yeah. It just rinses all over you, and you you find a way to swim. Ideally, yeah. And I think that's what <laughs> this this speed of information and technology and changes in the way that we live. Because remember, the phone, the iPhone was invented. It started in two thousand seven. Right. So think about how much Files. information is changed in that short of amount of time. So it's yeah. basically like a deluge that we just have to like you hop in a boat or a canoe and you just start paddling. You just hope.
1: Yeah. And there's something, I guess, related to that or where my brain goes is it feels like we're living in a time where everything is supposed to be optional. Like the the expectation is everything is optional. You know what I mean? That yeah. that and and I don't know, yeah, there's something when those two things come together that Again, it's fascinating, but um I don't know. Yeah, I I it, I, I'm, I d I'm I don't I don't know how to compute this
0: stuff. And I don't think we can. Yeah. <laughs> we're not well, we're not able to in real that, time. Yeah. You
1: know. Right. It's gonna be in you know, in retrospect that we can get a handle on any of this stuff and and then you drop painting into this. <laughs> and it just it's so amazing <laughs> that painting could have any fucking relevance right now I mean how could this static object with that kind of history and I'm sure some people a lot of people probably don't think it has any relevance and I I just I think it absolutely still does that thing it's still capable of it and I it's wild to to see people still with everything with all the kind of wild you know stimuli we have out there that a painting could still have an effect Standing in front of it is um you know, it's um who would have thought
0: Well if if nothing know? else, it's it slows you down for a minute. You're you hope. Yeah. It, yeah. That the dream be, is. Well yeah. now when you when you see something that was let's say it's a movie and it took three years to make this movie, you know, and it's two hours and fifteen minutes or something. That's the time you sit there. The suspension of disbelief happens. Yeah. You know, you you be part, you become part of that world, and you walk out and you're like, whoa, that was something." And it's that narrative and story or whatever. But it it happens over time. But something like a painting is just a relic of someone working on something for a long time or a certain yeah. amount of time. But it's not time based. It's just there. You know, and that yeah, that sort of really slow speed of a communication of an idea or an image has become even more, I think even more, uh, I don't know, it's hard to describe its role in society, Yeah, but it's even more um, effective in the sense that it's not operating the way everything else is now.
1: Right. It's been kind yeah. of
0: homogenized in the way we experience. And I guess you yeah. could say, well, most paintings are seen on Instagram. And that's probably true. More people probably encounter paintings there than they do by going out to galleries just because everyone's on their phone, like scrolling through all the time.
1: Yeah, I think painting, poor painting, man. I mean, Instagram has done more, I'd say, to painting than a lot of other our but But, you know, I mean, I think that's also ultimately a goal of what I'm trying to do too is yes just to slow you down I mean I think to some extent there's this expectation that because it's a static object it's there's a simultaneity that that actually can be kind of apprehended quickly and I think good paintings that's just not true Um, and you're not going to get everybody but for the people that do stick around you know I'm I'm really hoping that somehow this object this image keeps changing. You know, that's the dream for sure. Right. Um, and I do think of, you know, to some extent some of the graphic language and you know, bright colors and things are are meant to sort of trap you and get you to like come in and you know, there's some of the more detailed elements, you know, it it tells you one thing across the room and then Gets you to move in closer, and is they're they're working to have you stay, to get you to stand there long right. enough um, to, you know, maybe have, be, yeah, be able to change and have unexpected things happen in front of your eyes, kind of thing. Um, you know, I remember a, a few years ago I started making trapezoid shaped paintings. And I was told by um, a gallery that, you know, they took a few to a fair and that people were kind of wobbling back and forth on their heels thinking that they were kind of imagining that it wasn't a rectangle. And again, I just thought it's so funny that something as simple as a trapezoid could throw people off of what they expect of reality, you know? Um, um, But, and I, and I, I also think it's, important I think that paintings are more objects I guess you know assuming you're not only seeing them on a screen but it's more of an object than it's ever been now because we do see so many things on a screen that it's I think it's really exciting to think of yeah these movable kind of sites these movable objects that have this kind of skin on them you know that um that feel more physical than they've ever felt maybe in history maybe maybe um
0: yeah i think so yeah i think surface like when you go into a gallery and see an eight foot by 12 foot painting that's got and there's just it does something you know or sculptures or installations when they're like that where it creates the environment where it's not in the realm of you know some other way of experiencing an environment but just this created environment that you walk into you know I don't know there's something kind of powerful about that.
1: Yeah, and I I like the potential at least of a painting taking up space in a room the way a sculpture would. Yeah, you know, can it can it physically alter things? And and I I think with paintings maybe the the viewer has to be a little more willing. You know, I mean, a sculpture is actually sitting here in physical space. You have to bodily kind of deal with this thing. But I do think if if they're allowed to, paintings can have the same effect um if you're kind of dialed into them or allow them to to work on you
0: um, yeah, i feel but i feel like paintings still have you know how maybe i'm wrong but it, there's just historically there's been this sort of I don't, it's not a hierarchical thing but just painting has there's a certain reverence for painting You know, like it's respected as a medium, even though it's just like a little picture on a square or what, you know, just hanging on the wall. But people still seem to give it that. And I think to your point, that's why, like, if you just take two edges of it and bend them in a little bit, people are like, like what the hell (laughs) you know it's
1: it's it's nice that i'm hoping at least that you know so if this show that's up right now there's this a square a number of rectangles and a number of trapezoids and i'm hoping right that the trapezoid can make the rectangle a rectangle again right? right the rectangle is so invisible but but yeah i mean of course painting has this um massive history that gives it the weight that it has but i also think you know it has to fight for that it's it shouldn't be a given um at this point i mean i think it's really interesting when we or you know students choose to make paintings at this point and you know that can't just be based on this history right it has to be because they can still be relevant somehow now even if it's um almost despite itself that can still be relevant I don't know but yeah um, yeah, it's it it was interesting you know going out for the show and seeing I saw so just so much art uh, and it was it was a great trip um, just for the sheer amount of I, I really do think there are more painting shows in New York than there are in LA I mean it's just I mean there's obviously more galleries even but but it was um, it, it felt it, there was almost an overload at some point. Of I, I felt like I had to take a break. I could not take in any more static images <laughs> anymore. You know,
0: um, like I need a monitor.
1: Yeah, or just you <laughs> know, Sorry, you know what I realized. This is horrifying, but I realized you know I hadn't driven a car in a long time, and right. I actually think driving clears my brain in a way. It, oh, right, because you weren't in LA. Yeah. I swear, I mean it. It's like a necessary. Like yeah, yeah.
0: There's a certain sort of peacefulness being in the car.
1: Yeah, it's a he different helps. kind of thinking for me somehow.
0: Um, How much is your studio far from where you live? Or is
1: it's it? actually, I live right above it, so
0: that's um, a short commute. How long are you in a the really car short there? <laughs> um, just right, just sit in you it know, a while to clear your head.
1: I know i do i mean i you know i commute to teach and i commute for every freaking other thing in la but um but i do actually i used to share a studio with the sculptor alice konitz out here and it was i don't know 25 minute drive from where i lived on a freeway so you're 25 minutes at like 70 miles an hour right and um it worked it really worked and yeah I don't have that now it's still it's it's okay it took me a little while to transition into this working right because right there is no um I needed to like almost like short circuit a little bit to jump tracks before I got into the studio and so now that's a little more um I have to sort of force that you know behaviorally where it was natural before but so I do miss it actually but um but it also means I don't know the work now is part of this weird ecosystem of the where I live it's all it all kind of loops even more probably honestly has has something to do with more and more elements coming into the paintings even you know and um more you know sort of representational elements coming into them and that everything is kind of you know blending into everything else right the outside, the garden and where I live and the studio and
0: um the light. I think I read that the light mm-hmm. affects you too, right? Didn't you say something to that effect?
1: It's it's really yellow out here. <laughs> <laughs> I was always I was warned, you know, your first show in New York, you're gonna be shocked, uh, you know, because the light's so blue out there. But um but yeah, no, it's it's all this particulate matter means you do have this um very palette, yellow right? but really you know, I feel like our magic hour is, is maybe a bit longer here or something right. because there's so much junk in the air. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm sure it's affected how I see color and how things feel, you know.
0: Yeah, how um, is it, you know, a Midwesterner, you go to RISD. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, all right, I'm going to UCLA for grad school. And that uh, was, you graduated <laughs> in 2001, right?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: From UCLA, so that, that was right on the the end, not ending, but the sort of the wave of the spin article and all mm-hmm. that stuff had mm-hmm. crested. Mm-hmm. You know, the Evan Holloway, the mm-hmm. Laura Owens, the Laura the did Liz not go Kraft, to you know. Laura was
1: not UCLA, but it was that. Era. Oh no, but the LA
0: yeah. sort of like you know, you, yeah, you kind of went there. I'm sure it was buzzing at that point.
1: Yeah. And I, I was very naive. I was 23. I didn't realize what I was getting into. And, um, and, you know, thank God for it. I mean, it really, I think I, I, you know, I kind of hated it at the time to some extent, but it's how I met a lot of my good friends. It gave me this amazing community. Um, And yeah, I, genuinely didn't realize that I was making a lifelong decision by going to grad school in LA. I mean, of course, you can move around, but it it felt it was the right place. And I guess, at the yes, at the right time. And LA has changed a lot, but I still can't really imagine being anywhere else. And back then, I just always tell people it was cheap and weird, <laughs> cheap and weird, man, truly. I mean, and you could have a shitty part-time job, and have a studio, and in a you know little apartment, and get by, and just Doesn't make it feel your work small,
0: like the community,
1: in so, the art community out here. Somehow,
0: um, L.A. feels like a smaller community in a weird way, although it's spaced out.
1: It feels a lot bigger to me now than it did, and it was so um, grad program based, right? L.A. grad program based back then that it, yeah, that felt very. Um I don't know incestuous, but yeah, we all kind of knew each other to some extent, I think. But it
0: seemed clicky from the outside. It was like there was the CalArt, sure. there was the UCLA, and it for and sure. I had a couple of friends who moved out there. And you know, there was this sense of like if you weren't connected with a school, it was harder yeah. to network in or something. Where now it's like you have social media. It doesn't matter where anyone is. It's different I, and it's I actually know a couple people who've moved out of LA. <laughs>
1: Yeah, me too. I mean that's the thing is who would have thought it would become what it's what it's become now. But um but yeah, I I it's for for a while, you know, in terms of teaching, I was I don't think I was discouraging anyone from going to grad school, but I was definitely questioning it. Yeah. And now I'm back on board, man. I'm back on board just because <laughs> Full on, because and financially, it's a different conversation, and oh, yeah. I I feel for horrible all for all, all of my students.
0: Yeah, that's for everyone though. For every college um, in the U.S., I feel like it.
1: Yeah, but it's I mean, it's almost a little financially kind of perverse to think about getting an MFA at this point. But the reason why I'm back on board so wholeheartedly is um, probably really because of social media. Like, I don't know where else you can get that level of conversation. Right. um it's pretty hard to get it from your especially maybe coming out of undergrad from your peers um I mean I think I I think people need to really have more kind of quick groups on their own and do a lot of you know keep the level of conversation high once they get out of school on their own but um but yeah just um maybe grad school can counteract a bit of just the sheer kind of crass commercialism that we see everywhere you know and yeah. um so yeah i it's i've just watched myself kind of go up and down about it over the years but i was really grateful for it i think it 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 felt like if i can walk out of this program making work that still feels like my own that's kind of a win you know and yeah. and and then yeah and then it took me a few years to get those voices out of my head or to strain through them right to see what's actually useful but at this point you know geez it's been a long time you know but it did um yeah i'm still very glad i went you know and um
0: well how but i was just gonna say how is la for living as an artist you know because it's such a, it feels like such a Hollywood movie, you know, that kind of scene town from the outside. You know, I haven't been to LA in a long time, but I mean, the day to day, I'm sure it's not like that at all. But how no. is, how is the, you know, how it? I obviously you must like it because you've well, been no. there for, yeah. I do. And I don't I mean yeah. understand like you don't seem to miss that Chicago weather, like. like
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's I literally never think unless we're on fire I just don't think about the weather here at all. And I do. I do miss the winter, of course. I miss thunderstorms more than anything though. Um but um yeah, I think LA used to be just much more possible. You could yeah. just again, it's cheap and weird. You could you could it felt like you could live any kind of lifestyle you could imagine here. And and now it's it's much, much harder. And I think probably people are gonna start leaving more and I'm not sure where people are gonna go, but you know, maybe Chicago. <laughs> maybe this is the time to go back to Chicago. Um but Montana. Um yeah, or Albuquerque, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. I do I do have a love for New Mexico and, and Albuquerque, but um but it's still it's still there's a lot of artist run spaces. It still feels it feels like a really good community out here I mean I know there's even just among painters and even almost specifically like kind of female abstract painters like it feels um really good and supportive and um it's it's a like a conversation within a conversation I guess and feels generative you know and uh yeah I'm really glad to have found it it's like another thing I'm sort of grateful for is I feel like I've found at least for the last twenty years the right place for me. And um, you know, who knows, I could be making figurative paintings living somewhere else in a few years. But for now, you know, it feels it feels like, you know, you make this kind of soup and then you kind of sit in it, you know, and
2: um yeah.
0: Yeah. It's uh I feel like these days it's just location is and the decentralization of things is really interesting how people are moving i mean covet had a huge effect on that too where people like i'm for just sure. you know so many people i know who lived in new york would like wait so i pay this much and i can't go see shows right. or theater shows or concerts right. or eat in restaurants then why am i <laughs> which yeah kind of makes sense but uh but yeah i mean i know, know. The, it's freedom for a lot of people i think that they can you know, they can move anywhere, really, and just post yeah. stuff and try to keep that conversation going, and not except, go back
1: Except the thing that I think is tricky, and you know, I, I, um, I, I at one point was offered a tenure track position in a in a kind of a smaller city, and I actually turned it down because I just thought, I there isn't the community, there's not the art infrastructure, there's not the community of artists it would be so isolating and I'm just not at the point in my life where I'm ready for that. Not quite. And I, I I think it does make a huge difference where you live. I mean, more, you know, less so than ever, but being able to go to good museums, being able to go see gallery shows, being able to call up an artist friend and say, can you come over and do a studio visit? I mean, um, I, I, to me it did not make sense to live somewhere where that was not readily available so that's the only thing you know and I think being also being a studio-based artist feels very specific and and um you know even just thinking about residencies and things there are people that are it's a lot easier for them to sort of pick up and absorb new places and 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 you know maybe for painters it's a little harder but um but I remember when I first moved here, I went to the beach and I was driving back. I didn't know anybody in LA. and It was, I don't know, a couple of weeks before school started. And the next day, my cheeks hurt. I couldn't figure out why. And it's because I'd been smiling so yeah. much the day before that I pulled <laughs> cheek muscles. Yeah. You know, and it just from the beginning felt right to be here, you know.
2: Um,
0: That's great. And
1: at this point, I've been here longer than I was in Chicago, actually yeah but um but yeah it's i don't know what i'm sure if i had i landed somewhere else the work would have been very different um i don't think it's inevitable that we make certain things you know
0: no i think we're um, shaped by you know it's a nature nurture thing you know for sure for sure i was like having a kid i'm always like is that me or was that just new york <laughs> <laughs> when he drops a massive string of F bombs and like Wow, is that, wow. Is that from me? Or, I don't think I cursed them. With TikTok. Um, yeah. Qu- oh yeah. So question. What do you think or who do you think your paintings sound like music wise? Oh my God. Oh god. Uh no pressure.
1: Uh I mean I, I,
0: this always perplexes people.
1: I've got one answer. Stravinsky. I'll stand by it. Oh, nice. I'm gonna stand by it.
0: Stravinsky.
1: That's it. Yeah, that's
0: it. See, that's that <laughs> cultured upbringing. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I it's, love classical. I, I.
1: But he's bananas, though. This is different. no. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not. Oh, you know, I know. It's, this it's, is, it's rogue. It's really, um, you know. I like. I mean, I'm sure everybody kind of say this about him but you know ahead of his time blah blah blah. But um but yeah there's a kind of a movement and an atonal atonality and a um you know unexpectedness and all of that to to the music that um I know technically of course it's classical, but that is not how that music behaves right. in my mind at all. I mean um you know there's I there's you can like headbang to parts of it. Seriously. I mean, it's just, it's a different, um, but yeah, I think that's my, I'm going to stand by that. That's my answer.
0: That's pretty great. Did you get into, you know, like Cage and Xenoxis and and more avant classical Luke Ferrari or like where things got a little.
1: I actually don't know who Luke Ferrari is. I don't know who that is, but Glenn Branca and Terry Riley and stuff. Oh yeah. Nice. You know, um and um you know like a zone out it's like a really big category for me that encompasses it. all different kinds of music but the kind of thing where especially when i used to do longer commutes that was um, really important is that i would listen to certain music that you know i would sort of wake up and was you know my hour and a half commute was over because i yeah. had zoned out so hard it's kind of terrifying to think of being in traffic thinking that way but
0: blacked out. <laughs> you know but um like, whoa, but whoa, it, i was driving there for a while
1: you know but it can yeah. be anything from i don't know whatever um uh i mean like a band that i went to college with you know lightning bolt to yeah to Stravinsky oh, yeah, or, or yeah.
0: thunder days right
1: yeah i was very tangential to that but yes yeah Were it they, was quite a good time to be at RISD. Yep. Yeah.
0: what years was it uh
1: 98? 98 2 to 96 is when oh, i was there oh okay yeah. was
0: hisham there when you were there
1: uh yes and all of oh, yeah nice. what thunder yeah. was starting kind of or was rolling i guess while i was there and um but again i was yeah i was the person i was dating at the time it was like a different band it was like this kind of you know there was this weird again sort of ecosystem of of bands at RISD at the time but it's it's not dissimilar to the UCLA era where you don't kind of realize quite where you're at at the moment right and then you look back and think oh wow that was a really um again sort of generative time to be in that place and I ended up going I ended up going into printmaking um and that was um I think the most experimental department at the time because you had to take the um, you know, kind of prerequisite um, printmaking classes, the like level one things. And then after that, you kind of had your own studio and did whatever you wanted. And you, a lot of people weren't really making prints anymore, but maybe you'd use the etching press in this different way. And, um and there, you know, there was a few people that went on to be like master printers that were on a very specific track, but somehow printmaking, I don't, I don't really know why it's the, the kind of student it attracted or, maybe that's just the freedom that the faculty allowed um, became where a lot of those folks existed. And um, I thought it was, you know, it's funny at the time, my, my boyfriend at the time was in painting and I was switching departments and I kind of panicked and didn't know where to go. And, you know, and, and I just remember thinking, I I can't go into painting. I mean, I cannot Take on that kind of history. I'm absolutely not ready for that. I have no idea what I would do with that. And so, printmaking seemed like this more accessible. You know, there's something kind of concrete. You have these skills that you learn, and right. um, these, these very specific processes. And then, and then you build, you know, your own practice on top of it. But I do think it has. You know, I think anybody coming out of printmaking that is now making paintings. It absolutely affected how I approach making an image for sure. You yeah. know, and um
0: maybe yeah, incremental you about, and you talked about building a lot, right? Yeah. I feel like sure. your paintings are built. I totally sure. feel I always used to say it's like architectural the way I'm building up uh, an image. Yeah. Because it's like layered and stacked, you know, and you're Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's though, a printmaking sensibility, you know.
1: I think it is. And especially my earlier work was really layered. And now again I'm trying to 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 uh, make less decisions and rely less on on being able to dump a final layer on top of a painting to save it but um but it's interesting to think about you know someone coming out of say a more graphic design background versus like a printmaking background right and in coming to painting um and You know some of the best conversations they have about painting are with graphic designers. I swear, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. they really look, man, and they are so in tune with balance and color, and you know, and um, and kind of reading things, right? And um, but anyway, but yeah, I think printmaking became. It was a the department itself was a really sort of visceral place to make work, and um and it was after that that i was able i think to kind of wrap my head around making actually really making paintings but i kn- i didn't make my f- i think i ma- i made the last painting class i took was in high school right so between high school and my like second year of grad school i had not made a painting not on a, uh, a structured board right. anyway i'd made drawings and things
0: when you're making images but they just weren't for sure paintings
1: for sure but there is something about maybe just the history of it, of going on to a structured support. It is different. It's for oh, me, it's, totally. it's psychologically different, right? Right. Um, and but yeah, I think printmaking really, I don't know, gave me a kind of freedom and right, all of this other kind of music stuff was happening around us. And um, especially after coming out of my high school, it felt really, it was like a, um, it was just a different world to be in Providence and be at RISD. I mean, it's so small and concentrated and it feels like everyone was kind of a mutant wherever they were coming from, you know? And, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I had, yeah, it, it worked whatever it was supposed to
0: do. I think it worked. You know, I think the, uh, the printmaking community too, at that time was a lot of the people of our generation, were inspired by zines or posters and music and you know there was a kind of cross-cultural zeitgeist with that kind of printed material that yeah went out into the world in this collaborative sort of way of tying art to music or subcultures or whatever that yeah i think i think it resonated so there and especially with like four thunder and all that stuff was going on you know that how you can't Divorce those two things. I don't think.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. And it meant, yeah, we're are of course we're looking at at painting and the history of printmaking, and right, it's also these two kind of everything kind of flowed together, right? You know, yeah. right, the music and and scenes, and um, uh, it didn't, yeah, it didn't feel like there were these hard boundaries there that maybe you felt in other departments.
0: A little more freedom. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really uh, a lot of the decisions I think I've made in my life and just de- a lot of the decisions I make in the work is with that in mind. Is I just want to have as much choice as possible all the time, you know. And I always feel like I want to have my cake needed too, you know. And and I just wanna um uh you know, I get a little claustrophobic if I don't feel like that. And and again, you build the practice that you need, right? That your brain needs. And and all of these incremental decisions kind of help. There was no, you know, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm a Sagittarius man. Like I didn't plant any of this stuff. At, no, really? Yeah. Uh, it's the best sign, you know? You wow, know well, that, we, right?
0: we must have. We're the best. We must have been born pretty close to each other.
1: Um, November 25th. When are you?
0: December 2nd. That's, That's pretty close. damn close. Happy, Happy early birthday. birthday. I know. <laughs> Holy moly you're only five days away.
2: Mm.
1: But yeah, I think there is something to that. Like I don't have the kind of sensibility to or character or whatever to map things out or plan things. It's um but I think because of that I've I've been lucky, you know. I mean, hey, this none of this could have worked out. And um, and I it's funny, I look at students and I think, oh God, you know. I get nervous for them, like, oh, you, you, wait, 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 you know, you have to think ahead. And and I just think, God, but when I was their age, I didn't know what I was doing in six months. I mean, I, you know, and, um, so I'm sure the paintings come out of all that too, you know? Right. Um,
0: yeah, you, you share a birthday with my late father. Oh, I'm so sorry. And also
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a, yeah, you know, I, I feel a certain way about Sagittarians. <laughs> I don't want to get on a high horse here, no pun intended. But I just, yeah. Anyways, do you know the time we showed in the same show together?
1: Um, was it with the Pagel show in New York?
0: Was no, it the group show. Wait, remind so. me. No, no, it wasn't. What I'm was putting it? Putting you on the spot. Oh, um, shit. What was? I believe it? we were both this in the show. A long at the ago. Orange County
1: Museum of Art. Oh my gosh! The Mary Halman show, the group no, show.
0: No, no, it was the collection show. It was like ten years of. Oh, okay,
1: collection okay. Or something.
0: I didn't oh, go see it, so I don't. I can't talk to it that much. I
1: I thought it was I cool. Actually, that we,
0: had, we were in the same show.
1: I knew, and it's funny. I I have a picture of your work in my brain, but I think it's probably from back then. It's a little older work. I am old, but <laughs> definitely not what I was saying. It's, you know uh, that means we both are, so it's definitely not. What right. it. But again, I'm embracing it, man. Like, yeah, um, I'm good. you know, it's, I, I, I like, you know, my, I, um, like, I was with my 82 year old father today, and hey, we are spry, my friend. I mean, yes, it's all know, relative, right? It's but really super relative.
0: My colleagues yeah. who, you know, taught me when I was an undergrad, you know, they're like this young whippersnapper. And I look at the students and the students are basically two years older than some of them are like two years older than my son. And I'm like, Oh my God, what is happening? You know, it's, it's weird. You don't really understand time changing what we were saying before. You got to get, you can't see the forest from the trees, but it's always changing. So it's like, you can never really put your finger on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think, yeah, we're supposed to be ignorant of some of this stuff when we're younger, like, you know, um, but I, yeah, I always, I mean, I always, I feel like I kind of lived like an 18 year old boy until not so long ago. You know? and like, so again, it's, yeah, it's just funny that um, just another way of saying, yeah, I just haven't learned things, you know, and yeah. Um, but now, yeah, it's interesting to, again, to teach and to be, uh, I mean, I don't think anyone in the world would think of me as that kind of role model, but just to be in that dynamic of being a teacher in a in front of a class, I think is um, pretty hilarious. I mean, I couldn't have fathomed that for myself. Um, but But, you know, hey, it is a job that allows for a lot of freedom. Again, it's like you go in, you do your thing, you know, you figure it out on your own. And um, I can't imagine having anybody telling me what to do, you know, more than they do right now. I mean. Um, well, we're artists.
0: So. It's kind of baked in. Yeah. You know, you don't right. want someone telling. You. And imagine if you were, well, unless you were the director of the movie, which I do think suits mm. only children because as my yeah, son right. is the only child and he's a film major in high school here in the city. The film major in high school. High school, yeah. He goes, Good Lord. He's a film major. I know. Wow. it's That's amazing. It's weird. But <laughs> I can definitely see only children being directors and bossing yeah, people. Yeah, I can see that too. <laughs> no, nope, again, you're, I want it, you know.
1: you're, Yeah, exactly. Very Could specific. You get used to
0: it being your way. There's no one else. Right. You don't have to negotiate between right. siblings. So it's just like your show, you know.
1: Right. I mean- this is a whole other probably podcast, but i have thought a lot about this, and there are I know it's um, yes, there are a lot of downsides to it, so I won't even get into it but i but I don't yeah i i um i I always tell my friends with that have only kids that you know i'm I'm available to be hired anytime they want to like come in. <laughs> know be a consultant or something but um you know i mean it's the same thing we were talking about with the different ways of making work there's pros and cons of all of these things of and it's just you know Oh, no, but so. i i agree i probably um i probably yeah i can imagine being a director
0: <laughs> sure <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's what these paintings are right you're directing this oh,
0: that's what i mean you're the small incremental of the studio.
1: but i i just i don't have the patience i can't imagine being on one project for that long oh, i mean no, 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 you know yeah. in in thinking of a show putting a show together is very different right but right um
0: yeah but ideally your gallerist isn't like a producer who's saying no you can get your dailies and being like yeah can you know ma- Could you imagine God. like you make a few brush strokes and someone pops in and is like nah, i don't know about that color
1: uh you hear about
2: it
0: Oh, hear really? About that, it. that happens?
1: And maybe not to that extreme, but you hear about, yeah, there's folks that are you know, art directing, for Ooh, lack of a better that term. gallery
0: bullet. Yeah for, real,
1: yeah, for real. No, I'm very grateful to have... I've had a lot of freedom with the galleries I've worked with. Um, yeah. Again, there's that word. Um, and... Yeah, I think about this, too, this idea of having... A comfort level with making open-ended, right? I mean, this goes hand in hands, hand in hand with abstraction, I guess. But that you don't, you don't need a viewer to get to a very specific point or place, right? I mean, yeah. I do think about getting them in, like the neighborhood, but um, what they do in that neighborhood is entirely up to them, kind of thing. But, but I think that's also again like a um a factor in the kind of work we make right and um and again I like I like having moments of what feel like specificity in the work but that with they the context in which they sit is um more inscrutable right, right? but they imply a kind of objective meaning that that is not there yeah know? um The difference between what something looks like and what it actually is, you know, like I think a lot about what the aesthetic of something is, like the aesthetic of intelligence, right? The aesthetic of, you know, an analytical painting or, or an emotive, you know, kind of, um, more subjective painting. Like what does the personal look like? That kind of thing. And I think, um, people have a lot of expectations without even realizing it. And it's probably actually not that easy are not that hard to subvert because we do have so many expectations at this point. So many assumptions.
0: That's very um, true. You know, that made me think of the dot and line again, where the line yeah. is becoming yeah. erudite and then expressive. <laughs> and you know, that the aesthetics of these God. sort of, that's pretty great. This is a random question, but were you excited okay. to have Joanna Faitman write about your work? Of course. Are you kidding? I mean, he was in La Tigra. It's, it's cool the weirdest. It's, it's,
1: kind of mind-blowing yeah right. like this crunch of all these different worlds together yeah, yeah. no it that's was pretty cool it was amazing it was amazing and i have to say i mean kind of um connecting to that is i i that's what i have felt the the luckiest to have is is pretty good writing over the years like i you know johnny Yao, and sarah lara grower and and people like that where it's um it it often feels like the most concrete thing to come out of a show actually especially if the show is somewhere across the world or across the country that um to f- to have someone that actually is taking the time um years ago I was on a panel and I was asked by um David Pagel who's a you know art writer art here um and he said, you know, are you are you happy with the writing about your work so far? And this was a long time ago. And I swear I never thought that I had the agency to even have an opinion about it. Right. And it didn't even occur to me that I could, I was just so grateful <laughs> to have anyone writing about it. And so I stopped and thought about it. And I said, No, I'm not, I'm actually not satisfied with the writing. Like I don't think it's getting at what I wanted to talk about. And then you have this moment of like, well, is it the audience is it the writing is it the work and i didn't sit down and do the math of this but i do think it was a really kind of seminal moment or something for me mentally you know to to realize like shit you know the work is not doing in the world what i want it to do and even if it's hard for me to explain exactly what that is especially at that, that point but the work shifted after that and um you know, okay can can we get can we get people again into this sort of state of mind that you want them to be in and to stay and to look and um and to almost mimic the process of making by looking right and right. and I think that's that's almost how I knew that it was happening or that it was at least possible for somebody out there is that the writing changed um, and uh, anyway including. Joanna Feynman? yeah yeah um, I mean
0: I I the sentiment of you know anyone taking the time out to notice is epic I know, it's such a luxury because there's so much going on such a luxury and then I think I well it was well, it's, it's great <clears throat> someone writes about the work and I was like well no one reads anything anymore so <laughs> so, and and then there's that yes yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but people do I'm just kidding. so you have uh okay. do you want to talk about the show where people can see your work who aren't in New York, you know, just uh, how your, people can find out more about you and your stuff.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the show World, which is at Susan Inglet in New York, it's coming down on the 25th on my birthday, my birth- yeah. on your uh, your father's birthday. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I really, really, really hope people can get out and see it. I'm really happy with the show. Um, and then um there's right now a group show up at shrine in LA the shrine not the shrine in New nice. York and um and then we'll see what happens after that and um and you know websites and things and
0: Instagram website yada yada yada
1: for sure and um and again there's the if anyone wants to take the time the the writing on the website I swear it's it's um, it just feels so solid. It almost feels more solid than the paintings to me somehow.
0: Now, yeah. but um, There's some good stuff out there. If people dig in, I mean, they can find out hmm. that you worked in a flower shop and was garbage collector and all sorts. Holy of shit, Brian! I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I cannot think of where I possibly would have. Oh, that. don't worry about it. You, no, no, um, no. It's no, no. I'm not worried. It's just like wow, <laughs> that is. Yeah, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of, I don't yeah, think
0: uh, so. I don't think anyone knows anything about except for the fact that I just yammer on here for <laughs> of episodes and just. If
1: everybody puts things. all of the knowledge they glean about you from your podcast, they probably know you pretty well, right?
0: Yeah, I get my occasional email where people are like, you know, a little SU you would be nice. <laughs> 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 I'm like, well, it is a conversation. I got to talk a little bit, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. This I well i don't want you to be rude but you can probably tell them to go oh i'm not on payroll themselves right yeah
0: you can go do your version of it yeah exactly you know i love it i just get to chat with cool people like you yeah so thank you it was great to talk to you thanks for doing it congrats on the show and and happy birthday a little ahead of time you as well enjoy it high five more about my work at brianelford.net or on instagram at alfred studio many thanks for listening many thanks to fulcrum coffee roasters for keeping me caffeinated check out their subscription coffee program it's amazing also many thanks to golden artist colors for their long standing sponsorship of this podcast making the best acrylics williamsburg oils core watercolors mediums all that stuff check out golden at your local art store Many thanks to Allison for taking the time out to talk. You can check out her work at Susan Englick Gallery. And make sure you follow her on Instagram to keep up with her shows and what she has going on. Please, if you want to support the podcast, leave a rating, review. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Tell a friend, spread the word. And you can support the podcast also by getting the official book of the podcast, Why I Make Art. Available at Altelier Editions, and you can find the book on their website. We got some great episodes coming up. We're almost 400. Got a cool guest for episode 400. You won't want to miss. So make sure you keep listening. Many thanks.